um, yeah. In fact, I can't remember the last time you and I did a show. Have we done a show ever about this? I don't know. Can't remember. I don't think so. We're, I don't we're think about we've to ever, find out. I can't remember the last time you were on this show. But uh, you know, there's so this. I don't know, man. There's just so much going on in the world. There's so so much of it is bullshit. Trying to figure out what we should do on this show each week is uh, difficult. But we've picked a couple of stories that we can uh, right. talk about this week. I want to start with something. I don't know if this is getting much press in the US, but I, I thought about it because I've got a niece in Salt Lake City who mm-hmm. asked me about this question because she had to talk about it, had to write a paper about it for her university course on, I don't know, international public relations or something. At the moment, right. the Australian government is uh, preparing to uh, uh, pass legislation that will require Facebook and Google to pay large sums of money to Australian media organisations. And uh, Google and Facebook are fighting it. They're doing big yeah. PR campaigns here saying, uh, tell the Australian government to back the fuck off. Um, and uh, it's, a, it's a fascinating situation. So did you have a question? Well, I just wanted to ask real quick so I understand, what's the government's justification? Are, is there media there missing out on something because of what Google and Facebook is doing? Or do they feel they're making up a shortage somewhere? Uh, yes, basically the latter. And uh, the reason this is important, particularly for well for everybody, international listeners as well as Australians, is because right. uh, Facebook and Google are looking at this as a precedent that they don't want to spread wow. outside of this country. And I'm sure governments around the world and media organizations around the world are going to be watching it as well. But the, so the basic situation is this. News organizations, print, TV, radio as we all know, um, have been losing money for, for decades now. Right. They're basically you know, unable to compete uh, with the, the fracturing of audience attention and of advertising models. Here's the way I explained it to my 21-year-old niece in Utah. I said, look, for the 20, you know, the, most of the 20th century and early into the 21st century, uh, media organizations control the vast majority of advertising spend in this country. 
print, mm-hmm. TV, radio. He also had uh, billboards and, and stuff like that. But it's mostly, most of it went into print, TV and radio. That was how they funded their businesses. And it was a huge cash cow for them. They had right. it all locked up and they all lived high on the hog, right? They had big, sexy <laughs> right. offices uh, in all the cities and... Uh, the executives all, you know, drove cars f- full of cocaine and and yes. gold and hookers, and you know, it was uh, good t- good times, good times. One day, right? But of, but of course, uh, a couple of things happened in the late nineties and early two thousands. Number one, the internet came along and fragmented audience attention. Um, before, yeah, yeah I mean, I'm, this is for the kids out there who who, who haven't been paying attention. Um, when the internet came along, all of a sudden there was a million things that you could read initially. You didn't have to read your morning newspaper, your local newspaper every day. You could read other stuff, and eventually audio and video, and video YouTube, uh, and then you know streaming mm-hmm. other you know uh, Netflixes and all those sorts of things came along. In terms of audio, we had internet radio originally uh, back in the '90s. You could listen to internet. I still listen oh, yeah. to internet radio today but it's it's italian internet radio i listen to to you know practice my italian right i have rome radio streaming right. often during the day while i'm working now uh, and then of can. course yeah podcasting came along and by the way if you want to hear a crazy podcasting related interview uh joe rogan in the last week or so had adam curry on for three and a half hours uh, I've had wow. a number of uh, people contact me in the last couple of days and go, hold on, have you heard of this Adam Curry guy? And I go, well, yeah, of course, Adam and I go way back. And they said, well, he's claiming to be the podfather. I thought you were the podfather. <gasps> and I've had to explain, we well, a- Adam's actually the real podfather. He literally invented podcasting with Dave Weiner. Um, I, I'm just the Australian podfather and the history ah. podfather. And the, right. you know, many other things Skype. that I, I did. Skype, thank you for remembering. Um, right. But Adam, no, yeah. Adam is Adam is the real podfather. Anyway, so I, he's on um, Rogan's show if you want to listen to the guy who invented podcasting talk. He's batshit crazy. I had to turn it off after 15 minutes. He's he, like, he's a crazy conspiracy theorist. He started going on about, you know, vaccinations. And then he started going on about how COVID's oh. a great conspiracy. And I was like, okay, good to see yeah, you. And I'm done. Good to Go see Adam to hasn't Italian. changed. Yeah. I, yeah. I haven't listened to Adam's No Agenda podcast for about, I don't know, 10 years. And uh, it was good to see he hasn't changed much. Um, how did I get onto that? Oh, yeah. So for, then podcasting came along and, you know, right. audio fragmented and et cetera. Um, so they're all doing it tough. And they've all had to, you know, cut back and blah, 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 reduce costs. So, but what's happened in the meantime is Google and Facebook have come along, A, take a large amount of that user attention, the eyeballs, they've taken a lot of those. And of course, they then leverage that by selling advertising. So I think something like 80, 90% of advertising dollars in Australia now go through Google and Facebook. I'm making okay. those numbers up. It might be 60%, it might be 50%, it's, I don't yeah. fucking know, but it's, it's a huge... Impressive. It's a huge number, and the news organisations want it. Now, why does the government care who gets the advertising revenue? Well, it's largely because Rupert Murdoch gets to decide who's in government. Um, Newspapers, TV, Mm. radio may not still have the rivers of gold that they used to have from classifieds, 
but right. they still control a large amount of the political dialogue that goes on. And, um, you know, they, they use it seriously, particularly the Murdoch press. And I yeah. said to my niece, uh, Elise, um, you know, one of the things that will happen if you're a government in Australia and you piss off Murdoch is stories will start coming out in the Murdoch press that, oh, there are uh, lots of rumours, lots of uh, anonymous people inside of the party of the government that's in power are starting mm-hmm. to worry about the leader of the party and they're thinking uh, maybe he's not the right guy to lead them into the next mm-hmm. election, uh, anonymous sources say. And that starts <laughs> that starts a domino effect where, yeah. of course, the parties run around going, really, who's saying that? That's not the first. They'll they'll uh, uh, yeah. same way. It, it plays out the same way every time. They'll initially come out and go, "This is that's nonsense." No, we're completely, we're totally behind our leader, hundred percent support, right? Um, very, very confident. And then another week will go by, and then one of the you know, with somebody within the party will go, "Well, I mean, when I say a hundred percent confident, I mean, oh, you know, anything could happen." But listen, right now. We're yeah. completely, completely behind him. But, you know, who knows what could yeah. happen? Certainly, I mean, he's got some problems, let's be honest. But, listen, it's, you know, anything could happen. But he's got my, he's got my complete support. And then a right week now. later it'll be, yeah. I'm, you know, I'm contesting the leadership, basically, you yeah. know, is the way it plays out. Literally, I told her this two days later, I sent her a screen grab of a headline where uh, the, the the Victorian Premier, they you know have had they've they've had this breakout of COVID down there and they've had to shut down their economy again, and uh, mm-hmm. you know the, the Murdoch media started running this thing. People inside of the party say they don't think Dan Andrews is going to be the right guy to lead them into the next election. <laughs> I sent it a screen yeah. going, I go, this is exactly what I was talking about. Happens every time. So anyway, the governments here are rightfully uh, worried about Murdoch's power in determining who shapes government. And so they generally try and suck his dick. Kevin Rudd, who was our prime minister from 2007 to, I don't know, 2011, I think. And there, and he had mm-hmm. another brief crack later on. Um, he has been vehement in writing uh, articles in the media uh, for the last couple of years talking about how Murdoch needs to be stopped, he's a danger to our democracy, blah, 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 blah. And as yes. I always say, a bit fucking late to worry about that. Now, Kev, when you were prime minister, you should have done something about that. bit fucking late. Oh. You're just a guy in a suit. You're a fat guy in a suit now, like no one cares. Uh, Would have right. actually had some impact when you had some power to do something about it. You fucking idiot. Anyway, so basically this is what's happened. So the government is coming to the party to try and force Facebook and Google to um, pay the news organizations more money. I think they already pay them a little bit, but they're wanting a lot, lot more. And, right. um, you know, Facebook is basically saying, well, and, yeah, the news organization's justification is, well, people are sharing our news stories on your platform you make money from that attention, so Ooh. give us money. And Facebook was saying, well, hold on, that is promoting your news service. Those people will then click on that story and go to your website. So, in fact, Touché. you're profiting from this. Uh, but they don't care. There's no logic in this. It's just we want your money. So, basically, what's happening is news organizations fucked up. They they lost the internet. They lost <laughs> when the internet came along. Yeah, they uh, dicked around, didn't really take it seriously for a long time. 
Didn't see Facebook or Google really coming, although, I mean, News Corp did buy MySpace many years ago. Embarrassingly, they spent like $4 billion <laughs> on it, and then it basically just Where's- crashed and burned. Yeah. Um, right. But, you know, they basically, this is straight up capitalism, right? Um, they they yeah. fucking, they missed the turn in the road. Uh, their business models are suffering as a result. And rather than compete uh, to try and get that back, or rather than, you know, the government just say, well, that's capitalism, boys. Sorry, you snooze, yeah. you lose. The government is trying to intervene to prop them up and protect them. And uh, that's my take on what's going on. It's um, I don't know how it's going to play out because yeah. uh, Facebook is saying, well, we'll just stop people sharing news on our service. That's it. We just won't pay. We'll just, you know, either pull out of the country altogether, probably won't happen, or we'll just right. stop sharing the news, stop people from sharing the news. I think what will probably happen is they'll reach some sort of a settlement and they'll work some sort of a deal out. But this is just a classic example, I think, of A, the power that news organizations still have in countries like this, and B, the fact that uh, despite all of the Murdoch press's championing of capitalism, when the rubber meets the road, they go Mm -hmm. to the government and say, hey, can you intervene in this capitalist situation here and uh, get, get us some free money? Because yeah. uh, we we fucked up and and we want money, right? We should have we should have uh, predicted better or you know rode the wave like everybody else, but we didn't. So let us get paid anyway. And you're right; this is going to have far-reaching consequences. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Because if it happens there, you know damn well it's going to happen in other countries. Pretty quick, smart. Yeah, everyone's going to be trying to get a slice out of this. And, you know, Facebook right. and Google are already facing antitrust um, proceedings in the US, inquiries, investigations, uh, whatever you want to call it, as they're talking yeah. about doing the same thing here. And, um, you know, I, I don't have a problem with antitrust hearings per se, particularly, though, when it applies to them crushing competitors in their space. Like if Facebook is crushing or, or preventing the rise of new social media platforms as it came out in the U.S. Senate investigations, you know, they, they knowingly and deliberately bought Instagram when it was extremely popular to stop it being a threat. Um, you know, when they're using their reach and their power to crush or gobble up competitors, then that's yeah, something that's that the government should uh, pay attention to and perhaps intervene yeah. in. I don't have an issue with that. Um, but uh, this is a different situation. This isn't them preventing comp- competition from other social media startups. We're taking very old, uh, very uh, wealthy uh, media organizations and mm-hmm. giving them a handout. Very different to uh, you know what antitrust laws are there to uh, govern and oversee. I have to ask real quick: is is uh, unlike America? Are any parts of the Australian news agencies a part of the government? Is it all individually owned, or is it public owned? I'm, I'm I honestly don't know. One we have two. Well, we mm-hmm. have two media organizations here that are funded by the government, not government owned. They're independent, right. but they're funded by the government. 
One is the ABC and one is uh, SBS. Uh, it's a foreign, mostly a foreign uh, language or foreign-focused programming. ABC mm-hmm. is news and, and entertainment. Uh, they right. do radio and TV. <clears throat> um, but those two organizations are specifically uh, left out of this uh, uh, legislation. They, they, huh. they're, not, they're not getting any money. It's only the commercial wow. media organizations that are uh, getting money out of this if it goes ahead. Okay. Gotcha. Okay. I was just wondering about that. One other story that I haven't warned you about, but I wanted to flick in here. I just thought about it this morning. I've yeah. I've had to I've had to step in to a number of Facebook uh, threads in the last couple of weeks, uh, where I see stupid people uh, <laughs> writing posts saying, "Oh, look, the CDC are now saying that only six percent of people who have died from COVID actually died from COVID. Six percent." Right. What a rot! Yeah, etc., etc., etc. I think Tom Gardner. It's a hoax. Uh, Tom yeah. Gardner had a thread where somebody said that, and I had to weigh in. Um, and then right. I saw an old business partner of mine uh, here in Queensland um, uh, posted something on that, and I had to uh, step in. It's quite embarrassing because I thought this guy was actually smart. Um, okay. No, that's not what's going on. If you see this in the media and the Facebook feel free to jump in and say, Cam said you're all a bunch of fucking idiots. What the CDC has come out and said is that um, only 6% of the people that have died uh, with COVID in the United States died only of COVID. Uh, Uh, Meaning the rest of them died. um, They had COVID in their system, but they died of complicating Factors. They had comorbidities, as I don't think any of us had ever used that term uh, before COVID. But yeah, they had other health-related issues uh, that um, helped push them over the edge. So this, uh, this of course, is news. And this guy on Tommy G's Facebook page was like, "Well, they should have told us. Like they've lied to us. They should have told us that people." with other health issues were more at risk. I'm like, dude, they fucking said that from the very get-go, you idiot. Pay attention. Right. Um, even like even before right. it was big in the West, we knew from what we'd heard from China that the people who were going to be most at risk were the elderly and the people with comorbidities, existing health issues. Right. right. You and I talked right. about this when we did our early COVID shows back in March and April of this year. We knew that all mm-hmm. along. So that's yeah. not news. And what the CDC is saying is, yeah, well, that's exactly what happened. 94% of the people that have died so far have probably died from a combination of um, existing health issues and COVID just overwhelming their system on top of that. Maybe. And the reason they're listed as a COVID death is because if they didn't have COVID, they probably would have survived. Um, Ah, You know, longer than they did anyway, right? Right. Um, It was the addition of COVID to their heart condition or their diabetes or their pneumonia or whatever it was. Um, uh, So uh, people are also pulling this one line out of the COVID report that um, uh, people, (laughs) some of the people listed in the COVID deaths... um, had uh, what was it? It was um, 
uh, accidents. They they all they were they had you know, something like accidents, like they fell they right. fell off a, they fell off a stool and they've been classified as COVID deaths. People are like, well, what's going on with that? Um, right. So according to the CDC, what that probably means is they had an accident, uh, ended up in hospital, caught COVID mm-hmm. in the hospital, and oh, then shit. died. So oh, when you when you look at the CDC breakdown, there's this one line that it's like, you know, it it, it seems weird. Like, oh, well, they they broke their leg and then they died from COVID. How does that work? Well, that's how it works. They ended up in hospital, yeah. caught COVID, and then died. Um, so again, but, if they did, if we didn't have COVID, that wouldn't have happened. They would have gone to the hospital, got their leg fixed, and would have been fine. But they caught COVID and they died. So, but are people just looking? For this to be false, do they are they looking to be angry? Do they, do they just want to find something where the government is lying to them, or is it just fear? Because COVID scares the shit out of me, and, and and maybe these people just want to find something where it's not real. They just want to believe it's not as bad as the scientists are saying. Yeah, I mean, I think they're trying to confirm their confirmation bias, right? They yeah, they. Yeah. They believe that there's a great conspiracy going on here and the government's manipulating the numbers to make it sound worse than it really is in order to push through draconian measures, etc., etc. And whilst I'm sure some of that is going on, I'm quite convinced that there are some psychopaths in positions of power in every country around the world trying to figure out how they manipulate this. I mean, a lot of the, uh, particularly in the US, a lot of the trillions of dollars in... uh, relief that have been passed through Congress and sent mm-hmm. out and then subsequently disappeared. I'm sure <laughs> I'm sure a lot of that's gone into the pockets of people that are trying to leverage this yeah. like they try and leverage everything, every every war, yeah. every cyclone, every natural disaster, any time where there's an opportunity to uh, ble- bleed the system dry they're going to jump on it and there's every opportunity to push through uh, harsher legislation or legislation that rips away public funding and puts it in the hands of private pockets or diminishes civil rights yes there are always psychopaths that are going to be looking for opportunities to exploit those things for their own wealth and power Totally, agree. I'm the guy that wrote the psychopath book. I totally believe that's likely. Right. But yeah. that said, COVID is real, and again, the other thing I have to play, like again, the other argue, uh, the other fucking argument I get into a lot lately, when I see people saying, "Well, like in in Australia, I think we've only had six or seven hundred deaths, seven hundred deaths now. Um, it was a right. hundred up until Damn. a few months ago, but then the Melbourne breakout happened and it blew up." They're like, oh, 700 deaths, that's nothing. You know, we have more people die from fucking car accidents or the flu every year. I have to keep pointing out, yes, but that's because we did the lockdowns. Um, the The fear, rightfully or wrongfully, was, rightly or wrongly, I think that's supposed to be, rightly or wrongly was that if Mm -hmm. if it was allowed to run um, openly through society, right. What would They'll happen? Wash over us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What would happen is uh, the number of people that required hospitalization would be massive. Like I did yes. the numbers in one of our early shows, and I think I calculated that based on what we knew at the time of 
um, hospitalisation rates that if it ran through the population of Australia unimpeded, we'd need wow. we'd end up with something like 140 or 150 thousand people requiring hospitalisation due to COVID. Problem mm-hmm. being, we only have about 150,000 hospital beds uh, in Australia at any given time. And at any given time, yeah. they're 90% full. So right. you can't just add another 150,000 people on top of that. We just don't have the beds. We don't have the hospitals. We don't Nobody have the does. medicals. We don't have the medicals. That, well, China just builds them. China just goes, oh, hi, you, you, right. you need hospital? We need hospital <laughs> need tomorrow. <laughs> we build hospital. Right, but still, you know. Um, yeah, Sheshe. You don't want your hospitals flooded. It's just well, we couldn't. Sense. We just literally couldn't cope that quickly right. with building right. new. And then and on die. top of that, we die. didn't have. Even yeah. if you could build the hospitals, we didn't have the medical staff to put in them, and even or exactly. the equipment, you know, all the, all that kind of you know shit. And even if you did, the, the hospital staff, obviously, as we saw predominantly in the U.S., oh, yes. a lot of them get sick. Um, yes. And so you, you would have twice as many people in hospitals that don't exist, you know, hospitals that don't exist, who are requiring mm-hmm. hospitalization. And then you would have your existing medical staff, your first responders, your frontline medical staff, yeah. a percentage yeah. of them, 5%, oh, yeah. 10%, 20%, 50%, out themselves sick. So you have yeah. reduced medical capacity and double the amount of people requiring. And then, of course, it's not only the new people that you have to worry about that require hospitalization. It's all the other people that are having heart attacks and slipping over and, uh, you know, putting a metal spike through their chest or getting bitten by sharks. I've had two people right. dying in Queensland in the last week from shark attacks. Um, Damn. It... it uh, you know, you you just uh, we just couldn't cope. So the fear around the world right. was we can't cope with this. It, we, so those people would die. Yeah, more of those people in hospitalised. So you'd end up with hundreds of thousands of people dead. Some of those are going to be elderly, sure, but that's that's not. You can't like if it's your grandfather or elderly parent, yeah. you're not going to go. Well, sorry, fuck you. You're dead. <laughs> Um, you know, you, you, we, we wanted to look after all people. Now, whether or not that fear was uh, justified, we don't know. I've been trying to find numbers of hospitalization rates in Sweden because, as we know, they took sort of a light uh, approach. Right. They tried to avoid lockdown. They recommended people uh, isolate, self-isolate, and a large percentage of the population, as I understand it in Sweden, did self-isolate. I know their economy took a pretty big hit. So obviously, despite them not mandating lockdowns, people did it voluntarily. And I think from what I've read, that was the Swedish government's view, is that we don't need to mandate it. If we tell the people they should do it, they probably will just do it because that's our culture. We have a culture right. of people that actually, are, you know, educated, take shit seriously. Um, whereas in countries right. like ours, we mandated it and then people still tried to sneak over borders, uh, did midnight KFC runs as a lark. Um, the stories <laughs> in this country of people just Jesus. going, fuck your lockdown, I'm going to go and do crazy yeah. shit. Are um, unbelievable. Yeah. Anyway, so um, that's that's my COVID rant for the day, Ray. Well, I have to, 
I have to add on to the COVID rant that this just came out literally today. So I don't know if you've had a chance to see it because it's morning where you are. But uh, have you seen Bob Woodward's book that it's about to come out? Rage. They leaked. He leaked some of it. And he played the tapes where Trump back in February said, look, I'm going to, you know, this is this COVID is serious. It's deadly. It's more deadly than a severe form of the flu. And it's airborne. This is some serious shit. But he says he didn't say anything to the people because he didn't want to cause a panic. So. We can talk about all this, uh, all we want and what's happening, you know, because we're six months down the road. But the point is, Trump knew and others in the government knew that it was serious. It was airborne and it was coming back in February, not March. And they chose not to do anything about it because supposedly they didn't want to cause a panic. But as we know, it was really because they didn't want the economy to tank because it's an election year. So now that's that's just literally gotten started in this country. And everybody's pissed at Trump. Everybody's pissed at Bob Woodward as well. They're like, you son of a bitch, you had these tapes since February and you didn't let it out. You didn't play it. You're just as guilty as he is for not at least getting that information out there. But he wanted to wait until his book came out. I'm <laughs> capitalism, baby. Capitalism. <laughs> I have to make an impact. I'm yeah. going to wait six months and get 190,000 deaths, and then my book will come out. I'm going to yeah. make a lot of money. I'm pretty sure. Do. I'm pretty sure his publisher would have uh, mandated that he wasn't able to release that. They would. They would want as many sales as possible. I mean, he probably got paid a ton yeah. of money as just, a. I'm sure you know, to write just the human book. lives. Just yeah, suffering. it's just human lives. Just economy yeah. collapse. Just. <sighs> Yeah. No big deal. Anyway. We'll yeah, that. I did hear that tape this morning. Chrissy was playing it. I heard it's uh, fascinating. But, you know, yeah. Trump will just say it's bullshit, it's lies, and, you know, move on, as we know. Even though it's my words, believe me, don't believe mm. what you hear or see. And people yeah. say, okay. It's and been anyway. edited. And it's been anyway. edited. It's been edited to make him sound like he was saying those <laughs> things. He never really said it. And even if he did really say it, who cares? That's what yeah, I'm just a crazy. He always just says a, crazy. Yeah, I'm just a wild and crazy guy. I'm a wild, I'm a wild and crazy guard. guy. <laughs> wild card president. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, we'll we'll deal with that in a couple of weeks as it unfolds, or not. Let's talk about the uh, Senate report about what Mueller missed about Trump and Russia. Did you read this? All right. Yeah, so uh, I'll, I'll just set it up. So back in November of 1996, Trump goes to Moscow. He's looking for a real estate deal. He doesn't get the hotel, I guess, the, the deal that he was looking for, but he does make a friend who is a female, and supposedly they had sexual relations, and this is why he was married to his second wife, I believe. But the point is Russian intelligence knew about it. Uh, so says the Senate Intelligence Committee's report that just came out. I think it's the fifth and final part of their report. This is investigations been going on for three and a half years. But I, uh, but you have to admit that this intelligence report run or I guess led by Republicans did a lot better job than the Mueller report or it gave mm. some more detail, I guess. Mm. I keep wondering, um, just speaking of uh, Russian-y type women, um, mm -hmm. why Melania is not part of this story? I mean, she grew right. up in Slovenia. Um, right. When was she born? 1970. So it was still Yugoslavia. She grew up in Yugoslavia. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, yes, not on friendly terms with the Soviets, as we know from our Cold War show, but <laughs> still a communist, communist right? country. Independent <clears throat> communist country. Go ahead. Yeah, 
independent communist country, uh, the West's favourite communist country during the period. Um, you know, why why aren't the stories that she is actually the Russian uh, agent? Well, that she was suborned by the GRU at some point. Like, she's the first lady. She's uh, Slavic, uh, yeah. if not Russian. But uh, you never see that story doing. Like, she's well, actually she's actually the Russian agent yeah. that's uh, running things. Anyway. I think I've got an answer for that. She mm. is deep cover. They've got so many other people spying on Trump's people that they don't need to activate her yet. She's still a sleeper uh, spy, uh, sleeper cell. So it, right. it's going to come out. They just don't need her yet because they've got all this other shit on him. That again, this Republican-led intelligence committee was able to come up with. And it's, you know, there's parts of it that's damning while it actually clears up some other accusations that have been made by other reports. I guarantee you one day we're going to find out that she was really the Russian agent that was yes. <laughs> that was running so. Trump. Anyway, so yeah, this Senate report came out. I've had a number of people, um, particularly the people who hate me, um, send me links to this story. Uh, like there's a number right? of people that are furious that I didn't buy into the Russiagate story and all that kind of jazz. And they yes, love to, they love to send me anything connecting Trump and Russia and, and none of it's ever anything new. Um, and neither mm. was this. So I read this article in the intercept. Um, there's nothing really new in it as far as I could see. Yes, okay, apparently there's some story about Trump having a, an affair with some woman, okay, and so what, really? I mean, yeah. I don't, what's I, that, you know, he wasn't even married to Melania then, he was married to Marla Maples, so what? how that is relevant to the election, I don't know. Um, but the interesting thing that I did see in this article is that the Senate report, apparently, I haven't read it. I've only read the uh, highlights of it from The Intercept, is that it's very right. critical of the Mueller report. It apparently yes. criticizes Mueller's narrow approach and criticizes him and his team for having failed to grasp the true nature of the national security threat from Russia's intervention in 2016, according to the report. If I could rep reply to that, because um, they're not wrong in that uh, accusation. However, they're, they're kind of glossing over two important facts. One, Mueller was pretty much, I think it was his mandate to go after, to go after crimes that could be proven and people could be charged. Two, uh, at least on three separate occasions, he went back to Rod Rosenstein uh, and said, hey, I want to expand my investigation, which was denied each and every time. So I, I think Mueller was just basically being a prosecutor. Give me some stuff that I can prove that we can put people in jail if they broke the law. And I'm, hey, I'm finding stuff and I want to expand my, uh, my investigation, which was shot down. And so he had to stay within certain lanes. But that, but that's still, I mean, they're still right. I think he missed the forest through the trees. There was a lot more going on. There was more of a, a theme or a climate versus just some specific acts that he focused on. Mm. I mean, um, okay, but there's a couple of things to take away from this whole thing too. Still, uh, I mean, the story that they're pushing, which is the same as Mueller's story, is that the GRU, the um, Russian Intelligence Service, 
uh, hacked right. the DNC and Podesta emails, then used a front to to leak that data to WikiLeaks, which then published right. it, and then of course the rest of the U.S. media and the world media ran with those stories. Um, and the criticism that is uh, uh, directed at the media organizations in this Senate report is that they didn't uh, reveal that the leaks were the product of a Russian cyber attack. Um, mm-hmm. It doesn't matter. I, you know, I've had to... I've, exactly. I've, I've been exactly. engaged in oh defending Assange on a particular... <laughs> Facebook pro Muller Facebook page that somebody linked right. me into uh, that was attacking Assange again. And I have to keep pointing out to people that it doesn't matter. Assange's job as a publisher and the job of all the news organizations that also covered the Clinton and DNC Podesta email leaks, all of the other journalists, all of the other publishers who aren't in jail for covering this story only Assange is, that it doesn't matter where the leaks came from. It doesn't matter if they came from Russia. It doesn't matter if they came from the fucking man on the moon. The story (laughs) is the story. The publisher's job, the journalist's job, is to publish stories that are are in the public interest. And the DNC slash Clinton slash Podesta emails were in the public interest. There was a huge amount of dirt that came out of those emails. Um, that's absolutely what a publisher and a journalist should be doing. Some stupid woman in one of these forums said, said, he's not a journalist. Journalists don't publish stolen information. Fuck off. What are you talking about? Of course they do. That's what investigative journalists do. They try and get their hands on information that organizations want to be kept secret that's why the uh my uh, uh, uh um revelations were such a huge thing in the 70s the pentagon was trying to keep that secret and it got it came out mm-hmm. that's why the pentagon papers were a big deal while the panama papers yes. were a big deal and and i had to point it she said he's not a journalist i had to point out to this woman who was an australian i looked her up that in 2011, Julian Assange and WikiLeaks were awarded the highest prize, the highest accolade yeah. in Australia for journalism, a Walkley Award for publishing leaked information about uh, how the US was, had conducted itself in Iraq and Afghanistan. So don't right. tell me he's not a journalist. He, the the <laughs> journalists of Australia gave him the highest award for journalism in 2011 for doing what he does. So, listen, there are a lot of things that you can criticise Julian Assange for. I mean, the rape's not one of them. Um, the But and, uh, <laughs> leaking journalism. People say he's a misogynist. Maybe he is, maybe he isn't. I don't know. I don't know mm. him. And if he is, he is. And that's a, that's a bad right. thing. No one should be a misogynist. But that's got nothing to do with <laughs> this. He Publishing right. leaked information is absolutely what the best journalists do and if you and as i keep telling people in this muller facebook page when you start attacking journalists and publishers for doing their job you're the problem not them yes you're the problem this is what journalists are supposed to do 
Anyway, so I, anyway, I but just, apart from there's nothing really new that's come yeah. out in the Senate report that I'm aware right. of. I read through the, uh, uh, the the apart from the fact that they're critical of Mueller, nothing else in it that I can see is breaking any new ground. Well, well, tell me if this is new because I had read another. Well, I can't remember if it was BBC News or somebody um, said the one part of the report that just the fifth part that came out, the one part that, that was new or newish was that they had a little bit more information on the Paul Manafort uh, Kalimnik connection that he was a Russian intelligence officer and that there was, there was more, a little bit more collusion between Manafort and Kalimnik than uh, originally thought because Manafort knew exactly that if he answered all these questions truthfully, he would have gotten even more jail time. So he, he he supposedly lied or dodged a lot of those questions. But but there was a part where Manafort went to him and said, look, the only way we can beat Hillary is if her negatives go up. Kalimnik takes that back to the GRU or to whoever. They start doing things to attack um, Hillary Clinton. And so I think that was the only thing that was new in the report, but I'm not 100% sure. But that was that was the impression I got. But I just got to go back well, to on. what you were just saying. Hold on, yeah, hold yeah, on, yeah, yeah, yeah. pause. Yeah. Um, as I read it, those are all, uh, that's all speculation in the report. Maybe Manafort said that to Kalimnik. Maybe Kalimnik took that back to his context in the GRU. Maybe they were responding to that. It's all speculation. Speculation. Gotcha. B, we already, we already knew like years ago about Manafort's connections into Kalimnik and, uh, various Russians. Three, there's nothing illegal about Manafort having connections with Russians. Uh, you know, that's, again, well, that's, as I keep pointing out to people, America isn't at war with Russia. There's nothing illegal about any American having uh, conversations with or connections to Russians. Uh, where it gets murky is if yeah. he's asking a foreign power to interfere right. In an American election, that would probably get him in trouble. But there's but there's no evidence that he actually did that that I'm aware of. It's again, it's all speculation. Um, and look, this whole thing—the way to beat Hillary is to build up her negatives. Well, fucking dull. I mean, you don't have to be a rocket science. <laughs> That's how American politics is always played. Everybody does. Like. It. You yeah. think the Russians went, oh, gee, Paul, thanks for telling us that. <laughs> we didn't. Fuck off. Yes, we all know that. Um, <laughs> and like the, the whole hacking her emails thing, I'm sure, yeah. you know, the Russians are trying to, and the Chinese and the Saudis and the Iranians and everybody and the Americans, everyone's trying to hack everyone's shit all the time. Yeah. Like it's just yeah. it's cyber warfare goes on all the time. It's been going on for decades that's uh, just par for the course. Like this whole idea that Manafort gave the Russians the idea they should hack the DNC service. Fuck off. They're trying to hack shit constantly. Big shit, little shit, old shit, new shit, red shit, blue shit. It sounds like a Dr. Zeus book. They're always, everyone's trying to hack everything all the time. It wasn't like yeah. a, a brand new idea that they came up with because Manafort said, oh, you know what would be really good is if we had some dirt on Clinton. Stupid fucking story. Sorry, you were going to say something? No, just the best analogy I can give as far as the, uh, the Julian Assange is let's say I kill my wife because uh, of D'Angelo, obviously, but it's, ca- it's caught on the house surveillance video. 
someone hacks that from my from my home system and then they give it to you and you put it out there to ruin me because you don't want to work with me anymore, which is kind of the vibe I get sometimes. But the point is, you haven't done anything wrong by leaking the video. I'm the guy that killed her in the first place. You're just showing the crime that I committed. And that's that's the part that stumps me when people get angry about Assange. I'm like, he's just putting it out there. He's showing a bigger crime committed by someone else and you're mad at him. I, I have just never understood their focus on him when he's just putting the truth out there. It just yeah. always puzzles me. By the way, the thing anyway. he's in jail for at the moment isn't the the 2016 email publication. Of course, right. it's it goes back to this idea that they published information that exposed uh, American um, assets. Yeah, assets in the Middle East <laughs> and endangered Human them. assets. Yeah, right. and again, your argument is valid. He's not the one putting the assets in danger. The people who are making them assets are the people who are putting the assets in danger. Like if yeah, you, if, if you, yeah, if you suborn somebody in, yeah, I don't know, Iraq to spy on the mm -hmm. Iraqis, uh, you're putting them in danger, not the guy that reveals that you've uh, uh, turned them into a spy. Yeah, I'm, I'm committing the crime, not that, now, not the news. If yeah. he was an American, that might be classified as treason, but he's an Australian, not an American. <laughs> an Australian can't Again. commit treason against America. So, uh, like, the whole thing to me is just plainly ridiculous. Yeah. And you know, that'll lead into another story later on. But I know if you were arrested for something, what yeah. your defense would be. What's that? In the gay world, I'm a bear. That's what you would say. <laughs> Followed by... I would suck me. his dick. And that would get you out of it, I'm pretty sure. Uh, Thank you. Moving Thank right you. along... Uh, uh, well, finishing up on Assange, a couple of Australian yep. journalists, uh, big media hoo-ha here at the moment, two Australian journalists uh, were, I don't know, uh, what do you call it, um, evacuated from right. China uh, this week. Um, mm. Apparently they, uh, so there's one Australian Chinese uh, journalist uh, who's been arrested in China for apparently right. spying or something like that. She's currently in prison. Two other Australian uh, journalists who were over there were hauled in and questioned in the middle of the night by Chinese authorities and uh, immediately ran to the Australian um, embassy and got uh, whisked out of the country before they could get arrested oh. too. And there's this big hoo-ha about... China's treatment of journalists, etc., 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 and what a travesty it is. Um, no one mentions uh, the treatment of Julian Assange in these stories by the United States. Like, he's actually right. literally in jail for being a journalist um, in the United Kingdom. Yeah. The United Kingdom are holding him in jail for the Americans, putting him on trial yes. for the act of journalism. But, you know, we're worried about China uh, not sure. the, these other countries. Secondly, uh, what doesn't usually come out in these stories is that uh, a few months ago, Austra the Australian Federal Police uh, grabbed 
uh, or a, a number of Chinese journalists working in Australia and raided mm-hmm. their houses and basically mm. accused them of being involved in supposedly trying to corrupt a politician here. So we started it. We started hassling Chinese journalists. Then they started right. hassling Australian journalists. It's a tit-for-tat thing like the whole trade yeah. war we've got going on with them at the moment. But it just it, uh, what I find fascinating is all of the media coverage about, oh, China and journalists, this is what an oppressive regime they are. Yeah, have a fucking right. Julian Assange is still in prison. You don't hear fucking boo about that really in the media here. Right. Um, he's been in he's been in jail in the UK for a year now for this, and Jesus. his trial is still going on, and it's a travesty. But you don't, you know. Yeah. Anyway, here's a let's to, let's talk about yeah. Novichok. All right. Do you want to do you want to kick this one I... off the Navalny story? Yeah, let me. Uh, yeah, so there's this uh, Russian opposition leader, Alexei um, Navalny. I hope I am saying that right. He was on a flight um, from Siberia to Moscow on August 20th. Um, either before that flight or sometime around that, he's he takes ill and it turns very serious. They divert the plane to Omsk to a hospital and, and his situation is very bad. And uh, in fact, he was near death. And so the Russians, the Russian officials even went and would not let him be taken to Germany for some specialized treatment because they were saying that his body was too, uh, his condition was too serious, but finally they let him go. He goes to Germany. The German doctors are taking care of him. He has been brought out of uh, an induced, medically induced coma. And now they're saying that there is Russian a Russian chemical nerve agent in his body that obviously someone tried to kill this guy. And he has been giving Putin a very hard time for a long time. And again, the accusation is Putin tried to have this guy killed again, Mm. like he's supposedly done others. Mm. That is the story. Um, So he supposedly was poisoned with Novichok, Novichok, we've heard a lot about mm-hmm. that in the last, uh, whatever, 10 years with these attacks, last few years in particular. Um, yeah. Novichok uh, in Russian means newcomer, one mm-hmm. of a group of chemical weapons that were developed in the Soviet Union uh, and Russia between sort of the early 70s and the early 90s, designed mm-hmm. as part of a Soviet program codenamed Foliant, um, some of the Novichok poisons are solids, some are liquids, some are apparently like an ultra-fined powder that you can drop into things. And from what I read, the Novichok agents were designed to achieve four objectives. One, to be undetectable using NATO chemical detection equipment in the 70s and 80s. Two, to defeat NATO chemical protective gear. Three, to be safe to handle or safer to handle than other uh, poisons. And four, to circumvent the chemical weapons convention list of controlled substances, precursors, uh, those sorts of things that you weren't allowed to get your hands on. So they they developed these poisons. Um, They've been known to most Western uh, secret services since the 1990s. And in 2016, Iranian chemists working in Tehran synthesized five of the seven Novichok. Novichok? Uh, that's, that's I'm not touching that one. That's Freudian. You're not touching it? No, but you, 
You will. I would suck his dick. Um, they they synthesize five out of the seven. Um, right. So it's out there. So it's out there. So we know. So like we, it's not just the Russians that know how to make this stuff. Is the first point here. Uh, everyone knows how to make this stuff now. So uh, the fact that it's supposedly he was poisoned with Novichok poison doesn't necessarily mean it came from Russia. Any, it's like saying, well, he he ate a Big Mac. It must have been the Americans. No, Big Macs are everywhere. <laughs> right. Capitalism, right? baby. And trust yeah. me, if if you know the, there's a great little poison out there, um, everyone's Big got Mac. it. Everyone's oh, developed right. it, right? Don't forget yeah. the, the Americans sold a bunch of chemical weapons to Saddam also in the 80s to attack uh, the Iranians with. So everyone, mm-hmm. everyone's got their chemical weapons. Um, yeah. That said, it might have been Russia that poisoned him. Um, it may, uh, but let's break it down. So the story is that on August 20th, Navalny was at the Siberian airport before boarding a flight to Moscow, and he drank some tea. According to his assistant, that's all he had been drinking. Mm-hmm. And then when he was on the airplane, he became very, very ill and they had to do an emergency landing. Now, question is, if somebody poisoned him in his tea, how the fuck did they get it in his tea? Right. Did they have an agent at the... Did he, I, I'm trying to remember, did he have coffee or tea um, from the airport? Was it a lounge in the airport? Did someone bring it to him? I mean, I don't know. Um, I've tried to find out. I've I've read like yes. 30, 30 stories on this in the last day. No one's talking about where the tea came from. You would think right. that would be the first question everyone would have is, well, who served him the tea? Was it in a flask? Yeah. Was it Starbucks? Did he, yeah. did he bring? Did yeah. he make it in the hotel before he left uh, his Siberia? Was it his assistant <laughs> right. that gave him the tea? Did he get it from a tea shop at the airport? Did somebody just walk up to him and go, here, have a cup of tea, sir? Uh, and he drank it. Like, what the fuck is the story with the tea? I would suck his dick. 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 The anus is now closed. Are you back? Sorry, I was just... Entertaining Cam, would, myself. Would you, like, would you like some tea? <laughs> oh, okay. All right. Sorry. <clears throat> uh, where the fuck did the tea come from? You would think that would be the story yeah. everyone would be talking about. No one's talking about it that I can see, which right. is weird, right? Yeah. That's weird. Well, the Russians, it, absolutely. And the Russians are saying they can't start an investigation until they get certain information from Germany, which is bullshit. Um, and of course, Putin's denying everything, as you would. But at the very least, you think they would send someone to the airport. Exactly where did the tea come from? Question number one. Right. I mean, and how the fuck do you sneak something into somebody's tea at an airport? Like, do, do you just distract him and then, uh, you know, uh, yeah. fling it with a slingshot? Do you walk by and just... Yeah. Tap it in when he's not paying attention. But here's the second thing. I mean, maybe you could do that. I mean, I'm sure secret agents are highly trained in how to sneak shit into people's food and drink. But here's the thing. This guy knew he was a target 
Not only because, yes. you know, he's a major critic of Putin and, you, you know, you, you, you know what that means, but he'd been attacked several times right. before. In 2017, he had green dye thrown in his face, damaging the vision in one of his eyes. Apparently he lost up to 80% of the vision in one of his eyes. There might have been something else in the dye, they think. 2019, yeah. when he was in jail, uh, he developed an allergic reaction, they called it, uh, was hospitalized with severe mm -hmm. damage to his eyes and skin. Uh, some suspect uh, there was poisoning involved there too. So you'd think you would be pretty fucking careful yeah. about <laughs> what you ate and drank, which makes me suspect yes. that he's not just going and getting a tea at the tea shop. Um, and and right. if he was, how did the Russians know that he was going to do that? And how did they manage to get, you know, like have one... Did they have... Do they have like a, a GRU agent uh, infiltrate every in shop, every shop in the yes. Siberian airport yes. to poison everything? Yes. Uh, if this, you know, if this Donuts, guy orders it, coffee, yeah, yeah. bathroom, big big Mac, everywhere. everywhere, everything is just being poisoned in case it <laughs> takes it. Um, but knowing that he's a target, he's been attacked before. You got to think the tea was in a flask of some kind, you're making your own tea. And and, and if that's the right. case, how the fuck did it get poisoned? Is it an inside job? One of his own people did it? Um, yeah. Or did it happen on the plane? Did he ask for a drink on the plane and he actually got poisoned on the plane, not at the airport? Um, right. No one Supposedly seems to be not asking that question. Yeah, well, some assistant or someone said that he didn't drink anything on the plane, but of course, you know, unless you're sitting right next to the person the whole time, you don't know every move that they made. So there's a lot of unknowns and that's certainly not going to help figure out what the hell happened in the first place. Mm. This whole thing reminds me of a story that Finn from Norway sent me the other day. He said, um, yesterday yeah. I went to a round table talk, understanding Russia, their foreign policy scholar, uh, Ashle Tolye told an anecdote from one time he attended a show where a front row of ultra-rich Russians asked Putin soft questions for more than three hours. Afterwards, there was a dinner in Putin's honor. The tables were dressed in the nicest Russian manner and the food was excellent. But Mr. Tolier could assure us that Mr. Putin had better had uh, understood Cameron Ray's first rule. He came with his own food <laughs> in a Tupperware box. Never eat Smart. the food at a dinner in your honor, even if you arrange it yourself. Says Finn. Not good enough. Tupperware. Tupperware yeah. is your first line of defense. Always. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I love that. Tupperware Putin, yeah. Putin goes to big fancy dinners in his honor, brings his own food. Love it. <laughs> love it. He's a big I fan of the show. I know. Comrade. Shout, yeah. shout out to VP. I know he's a big fan. Um, but but getting back to the um, assassination attempt or whatever, if that's what it was or who, if Putin was involved, Putin's been in charge of Russia in various posts for 20 years. Is he really worried about this guy bad mouth? I mean, Putin's not stepping down and, until Putin is ready to. So I don't know. If, I don't know what he gains by killing this guy uh, or just making his life miserable, you know, keep him alive and make his life miserable. And that's your warning to other people. So for me, Putin, there's a big downside to killing this guy, not much of an upside to, to removing this guy. So it's kind of hard to believe. Well, I mean, I mean, if you kill your enemies, I mean, it, it um, obviously sends a message to other enemies that they should shut the fuck up or back yeah. the fuck down. 
Um, and I don't put it past Putin uh, to do that. Well, it's or, certainly possible. Yeah. Yeah, it's possible. But he didn't die. And in fact, a number of people that have been poisoned with Novichok supposedly in the last few years have recovered. Um, mm. According to uh, a guy called Vil Mertsianov, who was part of the team of Soviet scientists that developed Novichok in the 70s, the version that uh, might have been used on Navalny was known as A261. And when he was asked the question, why didn't Navalny die? He said maybe he was deliberately given a non-lethal dose. Maybe the goal wasn't to kill him, but to put him out of commission and leave him disabled, which in many ways is maybe even worse than being killed. I mean, if you wanted to kill him, you could just go up and shoot him in the head. I mean, plenty of journalists and uh, opposition people in... Russia have ended up dead, dead with a bullet through the brain. Um, why not do that to this guy? Why poison him? The anus is now closed. The anus is now closed. Black Jesus. The anus is now closed. 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 Oh, you're back. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. You could just go walk up and shoot him. Maybe he's, he's, I don't know, he had, he was hard to get to to kill, but if that in that case, how did they poison him? I don't know. Lots of questions. Of course, um, some of the other uh, Novichok poisonings in the last few years, we've heard about former spy Alexander Litvinenko was murdered with a cup of radioactive mm-hmm. tea. Journalist Anna yeah. Politkovskaya supposedly drank right. some poisoned tea while uh, on a flight to cover a story, woke up in hospital um, then there was a double agent, Sergei Skripal and his daughter, Yulia, uh, who were in mm-hmm. Britain. They were poisoned but right. didn't die. And then, of course, you had the former president of the Ukraine, Viktor Yushchenko, poisoned in 2004 with some sort of Agent Orange chemical served in a rice dish that left him permanently disfigured, but he survived and he uh, he's been running for various political positions and so in Russia uh, in recent years. So poisoning yeah. is definitely a thing. Now, let's say that Navalny was mm-hmm. poisoned. Um, does that necessarily mean that Putin gave the order? No. Um, right. You know, it could have been any number of enemies that this guy had that tried to kill him. Uh, but, you know, in the West, the media uh, immediately jumps to the conclusion that Putin did it because he was a political opponent of Putin. And maybe he did. Maybe he gave the order. Maybe someone in the GRU just took it upon themselves to try and take this guy out to get favor from Putin. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we don't know and we will probably never know who gave the order. But uh, yes. 
you know, there's so many questions about this, like how the fuck did it get in his tea? They just don't seem to be getting discussed in the media. Whenever there's a big, obvious gap in the coverage with this, uh, it always leaves me right. scratching my head. What's going on? Why is this not being yeah. talked about? Don't know. Yeah, question question number one is the tea and how did it get in, if that's how it was. And so, but you're right, it's just Putin, 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 because it serves a purpose of making a snazzy headline, I guess. And of course, if you're a rival nation and you want to embarrass Putin doing something like this oh, yeah. to attack, well, you know, it's a false flag, basically, a version of a false flag. Yeah. You're taking out his opponent, making, obviously, then spinning the PR story that he did it. <clears throat> now, I mean, obviously, Putin's more than capable of doing something like this. But if you th if you don't think other intelligent agent intelligence agencies around the world are equally as capable of concocting something like this in order to spin some negative press. Oh, yeah. For Putin, then you're naive. Of course, they do this kind of stuff right. too all the time. But uh, you know, so how do you tell what really happened? It's next to impossible. Whereas, and again, I'm not bragging, but uh, our leader Trump doesn't need anybody to try to uh, frame him for things because he's too busy shooting his own self in the foot, like letting a reporter record you back in February going, oh, I knew it was deadly. No, it's deadly. It's airborne. It, this, is, this is bad. Stuff like that are saying, oh, the military people are losers and suckers. He's damaging his own reputation. He doesn't need an adversary to do it for him. <laughs> I just had to get that off my chest. All right. Let's finish up with the Khashoggi uh, trial in Saudi Arabia. The mm -hmm. Saudi uh, court uh, apparently has issued its final verdict in the Khashoggi murder trial. Uh, there are eight suspects involved in the murder of Jamal Khashoggi back in October 2018, nearly two years ago. Five of wow. the defendants were sentenced to 20 years in prison. One got 10 years and two others got uh, seven years. Mm -hmm. um, I, I have to ask real quick, did you read, because I had, I had an article that alluded to it, but it, but it, didn't quite say so was the final verdicts or some part of the final verdicts hold, held up because it wasn't until May, I think that Khashoggi's sons publicly pardoned the five suspects, which somehow legally or through their religion or their culture or whatever, probably, probably the legal system takes um, the death penalty off the table. Do you know if there was a connection between waiting for the sons to do that um, so these people couldn't be killed because, yeah, I mean, they butchered this guy, as far as we know, and they're only getting 20 years in prison. So I was just wondering if there was a connection that you knew of. Maybe the court, courts were waiting for his sons to do something. Yeah, I, I don't know whether or not that um, had any impact on the timing mm. of it, but I do know that his family's been paid millions of dollars by the Saudi government yeah. in some form of compensation. And I'm sure there was some sort of quid pro quo of uh, reducing the sentencing for these guys. So instead of execution, they got 20 years. Cameron in the editing room here, folks. Uh, Ray's connection kept dropping out during our call today because he lives in the United States, which is a failed state and struggles to provide internet connectivity to its citizens. Um, and every time he would fade out, I just decided to entertain myself by playing the soundboard. Black Jesus. 
Black Jesus. Black Jesus. Black Jesus. I would suck Jesus. Black Jesus. I would suck Black Jesus. Dick. Black Jesus. Black Jesus. I would suck Jesus. Black Jesus. I would suck Jesus. Black Jesus. I would suck Black Jesus. Black so, of course, um, Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman, MBS, Mr. Bonesaw, uh, mm-hmm. he gets nothing. Um, no no punishment, yes. no connection. Uh, remember how the world was outraged two years ago when Khashoggi was killed? What's happened since then in terms of the world's relationship with the uh, Saudi government, Saudi royal family, Ray? Um, I know wanted to make sure that they would keep buying from us. So I'm going to go with everything's fine. Yeah. Boris Johnson, Prime Minister of the United Kingdom, recently thanked MBS for uh, Saudi Arabia's leadership of the G20. Uh, He noted the kingdom's vital role in securing progress in the conflict in Yemen and the Middle East peace process. Are you fucking kidding me? This country's been waging war in Yemen for years, and he uh, noted their vital role in securing progress. Oh, my. Are you fucking kidding me? However... This would be nice to have money. Yeah, yeah. Earlier this year, it was reported that Boris Johnson's phone was bombarded with emoji-laden WhatsApp messages from Mohammed bin Salman. Uh, which is also supposedly how Bin Salman hacked Jeff Bezos's phone. So uh, oh. apparently when oh, you morning. meet Bin Salman, he goes, uh, hey, uh, you like WhatsApp? I like WhatsApp. Let's be buddies on WhatsApp and we can message each other in the middle of the <laughs> night. You know, I like to get high right. and uh, watch The Big Lebowski and we can, you know, swap notes. <laughs> so they, these guys, both Bezos and BJ... Uh, like had WhatsApp on their phone connected to Bin Salman. That's how he hacked Bezos's phone and then got photos of I know, Bezos fucking his mistress or something, which he, which was leaked and it led to Bezos's very costly divorce. And he's going after Bezos, yeah. of course, because he owns the Washington Post and it was critical of Saudi Arabia and all this kind of stuff. Um, and ah. the killing of Khashoggi. Um. So the question is, did the Saudis hack BJ's phone? And what did they get? Did they get photos of BJ getting BJ's from hookers (laughs) or schoolboys or something? We, you know, I've talked before (laughs) when I did my BJ biography episodes, uh, not Mm -hmm. with you. I think it was with Trevor Bell because you were somewhere on holidays or something. Yeah. Uh, You know, BJ went to one of these uh, Eton colleges where, uh, you know, the boys, uh, you know, um, uh, quite often uh, BJ'd. Um, Took care of each other. Yeah. <laughs> so um, who the fuck knows what he got off of BJ's phone, but there seems to be some suggestion that Boris Johnson's phone was hacked by the Saudis and then he starts coming out and saying nice things about the Saudi government Oh, you know, despite right. the Khashoggi murders and, you know, their war in Yemen, etc., etc. 
And let's not forget that it was the Saudis who financed the 9-11 hijackers. I went digging again. Every time we touch on this story, I try and figure out where this is all at. So to remind people, uh, a guy called Ray Yarrow, who is the co-chairman of the Congressional Inquiry into the 9-11 attacks, told CBS in April 2016 Mm -hmm. that the redacted 28 pages of the Congressional Inquiry's report referred to evidence that Saudi Arabia's mm-hmm. government was substantially involved in the execution of the 9-11 attacks. Then Florida Democratic Senator Bob Graham, who chaired the United States Senate Select Committee on Intelligence at the time the report came out, right. said in sworn statements that there was evidence of support from the Saudi government for the terrorists. The 28 redacted pages were released in 2016, still lightly redacted by the CIA. But what we could read in that said that while in the United States, some of the 9-11 hijackers were in contact with and received support or assistance from individuals who may be connected to the Saudi government, including the possibility that money was sent from the Saudi royal family to the hijackers. Um. You know, it, it said there was no Jeez. direct evidence that the Saudi royal government was involved, but there were certainly suggestions in the report that they were. In January 2020, yeah. it came out that the FBI had an investigation named Operation Encore into mm-hmm. Saudi Arabian government links to the 9-11 attacks. Um, they got some legislation passed in the US called JASTA, Justice for the something-something terrorist attacks, um, right. Obama tried to veto the legislation and stop it from going through because it would enable people to sue a foreign power. America had legislation mm-hmm. in place at the time that prevented Americans from suing foreign powers. Um, this would have uh, overturned that. And Obama tried to veto it. Uh, the Republican led Congress at the time overrode his veto. So in 2017, there was a lawsuit filed by 1,500 injured survivors and 850 family members of 9-11 victims against the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia. The case is known as Ashton versus KSA, Kingdom of Saudi Arabia, if you want to look it up. But I've got Mm -hmm. no idea idea where it's at, Ray. I can't for the life of me (laughs) find out what's going on with that. The latest I found was an article from like January this year saying that it was uh, delayed, that it's been held up, that nothing yeah. much is going on with it. And now, um, now we have COVID. I I, well, yeah, then COVID would have happened. I, you would think that that would be a pretty mm-hmm. big fucking story. I mean, uh, a, a massive uh, class action against Saudi yes. Arabia for... Uh, their involvement in the 9-11 attacks, the greatest terrorist attack on American soil, and yeah. nothing. I can find nothing on it. No coverage. Well, Googled the shit out of if, that, came up with nothing. <laughs> if that was on the front page, don't you think there would be a certain percentage of Americans that would be demanding war with Saudi Arabia? And that's not going to happen. So maybe that's why it's partly buried. But who in the hell knows anymore? Everybody's got their hands in everybody else's pockets. It's hard. I mean, nationalism doesn't mean shit anymore. It's all about money. So who who the fuck knows? If anyone knows where that's at, if any of our lawyer listeners, lawyers in the United States who are listening to this, 
If you can get in your uh, Lexus Nexus or whatever your lawyer database is and find out what's going on with that, let me know. That'd be great. Also, find out who yeah. put the drugs in the Valney's tea while you're at it, if you can. Please. That is yeah. the bullshit filter for this week. And um, thank you to our subscribers for your continued support of the show. Um, we'll try and do more stories uh, as we can. Um, I always think I don't have anything to talk about. And then as soon as I come up with one idea, all of a sudden there's like <laughs> seven ideas that I have that we should talk about. Right. But um, There's shit yeah. going on. Yeah. yeah, but it's my, like, I don't just want to talk about shit that's going on. I want to talk right. about shit that doesn't make any sense. Like the, these stories where uh, there's something missing from the narrative and I, you know, and it, it's yeah. bugging the shit out of me. Something doesn't make sense about the narrative or there's a spin on the narrative. That's what we're here to do is, is uh, uncover the spin or ask the questions that aren't being asked and try and work out why they're not being asked. Anyway, yeah. thank you, Papa Bear. Have a good day, everybody.